Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Good morning, Andrew. Well, good morning, sir. As we continue on in Psalm 55, yes. the Psalms went from bad to worse, but I hope our conversations are going from good to great. You know what? Leave a rating and review and tell us if that's the case. It helps people find us. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Subscribe. The more you do those kinds of things, the more people, when they're searching for learning from the Bible, yeah. they'll find out about us. We that's really exactly right. We, we love that. I hope that's the case. Uh, if if not, then it might be an example of history repeating itself. I it don't know. It might be. It <laughs> might be. So what we have Speaking today, of. Yeah. So what we have today is Psalm 55. Today I have it before me, the New International Version. So I'm going to read from that. For the director of music, with string instruments, a mascal of David. Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. My thoughts trouble me, and I am distraught. At the voice of the enemy, at the stares of the wicked. For they bring down suffering upon me, and revile me in their anger. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death assail me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. I said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter, far from the tempest and storm. Confuse the wicked, O Lord. Confound their speech, for I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they prowl about on its walls. Malice and abuse are within it. Destructive forces are at work in the city. Threats and lies never leave its streets. If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were raising himself against me, I could hide from him. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I enjoy sweet fellowship as we walked with the throng at the house of God. Let death take my enemies by surprise. Let them go down alive to the grave, for evil finds lodging among them. But I call to God, and the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. He ransoms me unharmed from the battle waged against me. Even though many oppose me, God, who is enthroned forever, will hear them and afflict them men who never change their ways and have no fear of God. My companion attacks his friends. He violates his covenant. His speech is smooth as butter, yet war is in his heart. His words are more soothing than oil, yet they are drawn swords. Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. But you, O God, will bring down the wicked into the pit of corruption. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men will not live out half their days. But as for me, I trust in you. As we begin talking about what's happening today, there's some pretty hard things that David says about the enemies, oh, about yeah. this betrayer, and what he asks God to do. It, it borders on imprecation. Though few people that I know of actually list this as one of the imprecatory psalms, there are yeah. some statements of 
imprecation. This is such a fun word to say, and your eyes light up even as you say it. <laughs> oh, so, oh boy. What, uh, well, then let me re say it because I don't want I don't want my <laughs> eyes to light up when I'm saying imprecatory and imprecation. <laughs> Why um, not? It sounds like a good thing. Maybe I want to. <laughs> When you when you imprecate someone, you are calling God's curses down upon them. Well, that's not that's good. the idea of imprecation. Okay. And there is time to imprecate. I do want to remind us because it's been two years since we looked at Psalm seven, but as we enter the Psalms and we walk through the Psalms, the very first imprecation we find is in Psalm seven, and I just want us to remember that in Psalm seven and verse twelve. If a man does not repent, God will wet his sword. He has bent and readied his bow. He has prepared for him his deadly weapons, making his arrows fiery shafts. I think it's important to recognize that as we are walking through the Psalms, we remember that the fundamental imprecation, the, the place where it started, and I think it modifies every imprecatory psalm and every statement of imprecation we find in the psalms, it is bound to that if they don't repent. Okay. If they don't repent. It's not David saying, I don't want them to repent. It's David saying, if they don't repent, or the psalmist, if they don't repent, then Lord, do this thing. In fact, even here in Psalm 55, there's the statement in verse 19, because they do not change and do not fear God. Now, I will admit, I do want to point out there that there is some translational question about that. Yeah. Um, grammatically, I guess it's hard to tell. Are we talking about God who doesn't change, or are we talking about the enemy not changing? Huh, okay. But a lot of the translators do take that as a reference to the betrayer who is not changing. Because the betrayer doesn't change, God will judge him. Rather than because God doesn't change, God will judge the betrayer. Uh, Either way, we have the idea that God, same yesterday, today, and forever, if someone's going to be an enemy and they're going to refuse to repent, then God will judge. I appreciate that insight. I I do feel like most of the translations we've chosen to read from today have really cast it in the light of it's the men. The men do not change. Yes, I think most do. Because they they struggle with, wait a minute, why are we saying God doesn't change on this issue? Well, if it is a reference to God, it is that idea that, look, God, he is creator, he is benefactor, but he is also judge. And those who are his enemies, and even in his name, his name is he will by no means clear the guilty, which is something we get out of both of these psalms. The ones who refuse to repent... He's not going to clear them. And what what would be interesting about that take on it, if this is referring to God, is pairing verse 19 with verse 20, because we see in verse 20, what we do have is someone who breaks covenant. The yes. betrayer does break covenant. Yes. You know, and, th- and that would be a contrast then to God's steadfastness. Right. Yeah. So either way on that one verse, if it's a reference to God, it's the idea that because he is steady and steadfast, he doesn't break covenants, he will judge enemies. If it's a reference to the betrayer, the then, it's, then it is a reminder yeah. of what we found in Psalm 7. If they don't repent, if they don't change, they need to repent. This, this cursing will come against them. Well, I was Go just going to say, um, you know, can we trust that God will do that? Is God faithful to bring judgment against the wicked? And certainly there are places and throughout the Old Testament where we find temporal judgment upon God's enemies to teach us some lessons. In fact, here in Psalm 55, they are brought up. There's some echoes. These these statements that we are bothered by, these statements that bother us. The imprecations. The imprecations. Okay. Yeah. You, you want to try again? No, there's someone... Peeking in the window at me. It's, it's messing so these, my concentration. These, these implications, we read them. However, 
notice these two particular imprecations actually call to mind something from history. This is not just David saying, I'm really mad at these guys. God, go do something about it. Help me out. Help me out. All right. I'll help you. Help me out. In this whole big long psalm, which are the two imprecations you're talking about? In verse 9. Okay. Destroy, O Lord, divide their tongues, for I see violence and strife in the city. Destroy, O Lord, divide their tongues. Divide their tongues. I I can't remember if it was the NIV that you just read that said confuse and confound, but I know that's that's been one of the translations. Mm -hmm. So let me just ask you, when you hear about confusing and confounding language or dividing tongues, does it remind you of anything in history? You know, it really does. It it reminds me of God's judgment upon Babel and the people of Babel. In Genesis Genesis chapter 11. 11. Yeah. Yes. You have that episode where the People were refusing, really, the instruction of God that they needed to go and fill the earth and be fruitful and multiply and subdue it. Instead, they stay together. They decide that they would like to build a tower to reach up to the heavens. And uh, and it would seem that in their pride, they would try to steal honor from God and somehow make themselves equal with God. And instead, they only bring a shame upon themselves because God confuses all the languages. David calls God to repeat the judgment he brought on Babel to this the city now, and of course it's going to be Jerusalem, but it's going to be right. because Absalom and Ahithophel are now in Jerusalem. Like the words and the plans. It, yes. It's very, it, it also calls to mind the fact that when David sent Hushai the archite back right. to Absalom in order to confound the council mm-hmm. of Ahithophel. This this is one of those yeah. markers that suggests, hey, we really are talking about this time, because that's very much the prayer that David had of God in uh, uh, 2 Samuel. Absolutely. When he asks God, confound, yeah. uh, confuse, trouble, uh, bring up short the council of Ahithophel. It was a big prayer because Ahithophel was one of the wise men and yes. one of the strategists. Well, and had Absalom followed Ahithophel's advice, it would have gone very differently. Well, actually, yeah, and he had a winning plan, too. He did have a winning plan, to. and Ahithophel knew that plan was such a winning plan that when Absalom decided to abandon it, yeah. um, Ahithophel killed himself. He did. He, he knew that it wasn't going to work. And of course it didn't. And Absalom ends up dying. Ahithophel kills himself. David is restored to the throne. But, but notice what's happening. History is repeating itself here. Mm. Here we have Absalom, Ahithophel, instead of hanging on to God and doing what God says and following God's anointed, they are pursuing something else. They are lifting themselves up. They are making a name for themselves. And what David calls on God to do is not just, I'm really mad. Could you hurt these people? Right. He calls God to bring that exact same judgment that he brought against Babel against these others who are going against the plans of God, who are setting themselves up not only against David, but against God. Yeah. Yeah. To me, that makes the imprecation a little bit more palatable to understand that it's not just David saying, I'm really mad. So do this really, really mean bad thing to them. It's God, they're against you. They're setting themselves up. Bring the same judgment against them. Yeah. For those that would steal honor. I get it. I Mm -hmm. get it. Mm-hmm. All right, so you said there was two imprecations. Yeah, okay, so two of them. We get to verse 15, and this is the one that's a little bit harder. Let death steal over them. Let them go down to Sheol alive, for evil Ooh. is in their dwelling place and in their heart. Wow. Yeah. That yeah. one's tough. That one's tough. Yeah. Verse 15 of the NIV, let them go down alive to the grave, for evil finds lodging among them. Well, let me remind you about a historical event 
where there were some people who rebelled against God's appointed leader, Mm -hmm. who said we would be just as good. Who do you think you are, Moses, setting yourself up as the leader? It should be us, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And Moses, as he speaks to them, listen to what he says. Verse. This is Numbers chapter 16, verse 28. He's already been talking to them. He's been talking about uh, what's going to happen and God's judgment. Hereby you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works and that it has not been on my own accord. If these men die as all men die, or if they are visited by the fate of all mankind, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord creates something new and the ground opens up its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them. Now listen to this. And they go down alive into Sheol. Then you shall know that these men have despised the Lord. Mm. When David says this, it's not just, I'm really mad. Do this really big, bad thing to them. I'm really hurt. Do this big, bad thing to them. David is calling to mind the historical event where people actually went down alive into Sheol. The earth opened up and the grave swallowed them while they were still alive. Because what that was supposed to demonstrate was, I'm really on your side. Mm -hmm. I really am God's. God is really with me. That's what the psalmist is crying out. Here are folks that have risen up against God, against God's anointed. And what David says is, show them that I am yours. Show them that I didn't set myself up. Show them through this victory. Mm -hmm. And he calls to mind. So when history repeats itself, he's asking for the judgment to Mm -hmm. be repeated. Mm -hmm. And again, for me, as hard as this language is, and I certainly don't think when somebody betrays me, and I'm, I'm learning from Psalm 55 to rely on God, that my prayer is supposed to be, you know, let them go into the grave alive, bury them alive. It's supposed to be a whole lot more like Jesus, Father, forgive them. They don't know what, what they, they do. do. Yeah. But when I realize the historical context of these statements, I do realize that David is not just saying, I'm mad, hurt them bad. Yeah. He, he is saying, here are people that have set themselves up against the Lord's anointed. They aren't changing. They aren't repenting. Demonstrate to the world that I am yours, that I am following your plan, and they're not. That's yeah. that's what these words are actually bringing to mind. And, and in ways that God has done these things before to vindicate his people. Yes. Oh, fascinating. Fascinating. No, that's good. That's I love that uh that uh, insight, I guess, into these psalms. If we read through these a little too quick, we might miss some of those things. That was good. Absolutely. Well, I think it's time for us to wrap up today with our own prayer, though it will not be one of imprecation. <laughs> Lord God, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for the fact that you do not change, even when the people around us change and break covenants. And Father, we understand that if they won't repent, you will bring judgment upon them. And Lord, we know that that actually upsets you more than it does us. And so we put it in your hand. We know that you're the one that knows when to judge. We know that you're the one who knows when to forgive. We know that you will behave impartially and you will always do what is right. And so we put it in your hand and we trust you and we love you and we ask you to hold us in your hand. Lord, we love you so very much. Thank you for loving us first and most. Through your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song, You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. 
please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.